When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I am Ben the Danger Bullen. Danger? I'm going big with it. You know, you know what? Can I tell you a true story? Yeah. We have friends right now. Their, their son's middle name is Name their kid. I'm not going to tell you the first name last name. Right. The middle name is officially dangerous. Legally. Legally, officially dangerous. How old is young danger? I uh, would be, uh, he would be probably a little over a year at this point. A year and a couple months. Okay. All right. So he's going to grow into that name. Yeah, isn't I think that it'll cool? have fun. Yeah, I think that's cool because, true story, some of my friends named their kid danger as a middle name. No kidding. Yes, yeah, oh, it's, it's a I thing. Heard. Yeah, this is the first I'd heard of it. So uh, interesting. I wonder if our audience out there has. Uh, do you, Do you guys have any middle names that are danger, or do you have any friends whose middle name literally is danger? Yeah, I wonder. It's. Uh, I just wonder how common that is. But uh, danger would be apt for today's episode, right? Yes. Uh, danger would be apt for today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Scott and I are taking a look at a show that we both enjoyed. Breaking Bad. Enjoyed it immensely, we mm-hmm. should say, because yeah. uh, I, I really, really love this series. And I caught on to it late. Uh, so I was one that, you know, rented the DVDs and, and watched them, you know, in, I guess, one after the other after the other on sure. weekends and things like that and caught up quickly. Um, I did have to wait for the final season, you know, to, to be able to watch it. Because they split the, it in half. Yeah, the way that, you know, the delay works and everything. But uh, you were watching it as it was occurring, as it was happening, right? Mm-hmm. You were telling me along how uh, how great this was. So I, that, <laughs> that's the whole reason I started watching. And it was a fantastic recommendation, by the way. I mean, if if you haven't seen the episode or the, uh, the series, rather, mm-hmm. I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, it's really, really interesting from start to finish. Right. And Ripping. we... We say that as guys who don't typically tell people they have to watch or they have to read something. I hate being that guy, but I knew you would enjoy it from the jump, Scott, because you're a big fan of true crime. And this is 
for the most part, realistic enough to feel like a true crime story. It does feel that way. You're right. And uh, and it's just fascinating. And it's it's it, it draws you in immediately right mm-hmm. from the very first episode. And one thing that, you know, one aspect of this that we felt we could uh, maybe talk a little bit about on this show are the uh, are the choice of vehicles in, in this uh, in this particular series, because it was um, it was surprising to a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, when we see uh, this type of culture, this uh, this drug type of culture, and I'll tell you what, if, if somebody hasn't seen this, maybe you want to turn off, turn the episode off right now, because there's going to be a few spoilers along the way, I'm sure. There Massive spoilers, lots Scott. Of spoilers, yeah. yeah. But um, I can't imagine somebody hasn't at this point. But um, it's possible. So the, I think that a lot of people were surprised by the vehicles that were, you know, um, shown in this in this ep- in the series. Really, mm-hmm. I keep saying episode mm-hmm. in the series. Because they were so common. They're so commonplace. It's not like, um, you know, when we see, uh, you know, a drug dealer out of Miami and they're sure. in, a, uh, in a Ferrari or they're in something very, very flashy, mm-hmm. um, kind of a, you know, in your face type vehicle. Bright yellow Bentley. It's something like that. Yeah. It's nothing like that in this, in this case. I mean, there's a couple of instances where that's occurring on a small scale. Yeah. Uh, but, and we'll get to that. But mm-hmm. for the most part, the cars here are normal, everyday vehicles and, very surprising. And when you see them, it's almost like you, your your eyes open, your jaw drops for a second, and you mm-hmm. realize, well, why is my you know why am I so surprised at such an ordinary vehicle? Well, it's because these are such extraordinary characters. Oh, nice, nice uh, contrast there. So it's true, ladies and gentlemen. Scott and I are doing a podcast on the cars of Breaking Bad now. Off air, Scott, you made a great point. You said, well, this might be a show that is fifteen minutes. It might be an hour. There are massive spoilers. A quick background before we get into it. Breaking Bad is the story of Walter White, a aging, I would say, mm-hmm. high school chemistry teacher diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, lung cancer, and uh, it's set in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And Walter decides that, you know, with his uh, his impending demise, that uh, that he's going to have to do something to set his family up, right? He's going to have to provide for his family which he hasn't been able to now with his kind of uh, meager teacher's salary. Mm-hmm. So so he decides that uh, he's going to do this by um, illegal means. He's going to try to make money fast, try to make a lot of money fast. And one way that he sees to do that is through uh, the the manufacture and sell and selling and, and uh, distri- distribution of methamphetamines. Yes, and using his expertise in chemistry, he was able to create... Uh, methamphetamine uh, with a level of purity that had not been encountered before. Yeah, because this guy's a chemist, so mm-hmm. he's uh, he's obviously very good at what he does. And there's a, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into this whole story. I think maybe we've set it up enough already. Yeah, yeah. Let's jump right into it, Scott. What's he driving when this story opens? <laughs> this is crazy. In the first episode, <laughs> you see him, and this is one that you just kind of you kind of chuckle to yourself when you see it, right? Uh huh. He's driving a Pontiac Aztec. It was a 2004 Pontiac Aztec, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh. And it's kind of this uh, this fern green color, and uh, you know it's so it's what a decade old at this point. When the when the series began, I can't remember what year the series began, um, but it was not quite a decade old at that point. And um, you're, you're still were shocked by it because this was a car that this this car tops the list of like the worst cars of all time, right? Yes, that is so true. We always hear about this whenever we do a lemon car worst car of all time uh, podcast. The Aztec pops up and sometimes people say well it's overpriced sometimes they say it's everything bad about baby boomers sometimes they say it's just 
uh, offensively boring. Yeah, it's uh, it's very unassuming, um, um, just kind of uh, blends into the background type of vehicle. And I guess, you know, up to this point, that's kind of what Walter White has been, really. Yeah, he's been a guy in the background. To, in his story, we find out that he did have a brush with possible uh, tremendous fortune for his early chemistry work. But now he's just a teacher who drives an Aztec. And he's a, he's very bitter about that. He's hugely that, bitter. That comes into play often in the story. Uh, there's a company called Gray Matter. And his lab assistant was somebody who he was romantically involved with, I believe, right? They were yeah. dating, I think. Yep. And um, Gretchen, right? Mm-hmm. Gretchen Swartz. Mm-hmm. And now she has married um, another gentleman who Walter was working with at the time, Oops. Elliot. Yeah. And uh, they created this, they had created this gray matter together. And when, <laughs> and you know what? We can't, t- we can't tell the whole story, right? I mean, we can't mm-hmm. just go through this, this whole thing, but he's bitter because now she is now with Elliot. And he kind of abandoned the whole thing, and he's been bitter about it ever since because they turned it into a billion-dollar industry. And mm-hmm. now he's at the point where he needs a lot of money, and he was thinking back to you know this opportunity lost, and it's just it's so frustrating the things that he goes through. I mean, I think a lot of people can understand this. It's kind of like do you remember the movie? Um, and I don't know if this is even a, a good comparison, Ben, but wasn't there a movie called Falling Down? Yes, and it is a great comparison. Uh, is it? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to piece together like how that, that compares, but it's like things kind of go from bad to worse for this guy. Uh-huh. And he's sitting there and it, you just the littlest thing can just just snap you. Just sets him off. I mean, it's the it's the uh the, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know. Mm-hmm. And finally he gets out and you know there's a uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to describe that movie, but um <laughs> right. I I feel like there's a little bit of that character in Walter White as well. Mhm. Absolutely. And one thing that's great about this is we know that it's not the car he keeps for the entirety of the time, but uh, before we go on, I think it's time for us to introduce one of the backstage people here, a character named Dennis Milliken. Dennis Milliken, that's right. Dennis, yeah. he is the, uh, he's the guy who chose the cars, right? Yeah, he's the guy who chose the cars along with the creator, Vince Gilligan. And uh, one of the things that Dennis says in interviews is that he and Vince worked um, attached to the hip side by side, and Vince Gilligan would describe these characters in very specific ways, and then they would find very specific cars. So every time you see somebody who has a speaking role at all in Breaking Bad and they're driving, their car was specifically and symbolically, I think, uh, picked and connected with them. Well, very much so, because when you see this car, I mean, this uh, this Aztec, and we'll move on from the Aztec in a yeah. moment, I promise, but uh, it, it's it's intended to kind of make... Mr. White, as uh, as Dennis mentions here, somewhat pathetic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it and think like, oh, what is he doing driving this old pile of junk car? And, you know, I know that people who love Aztecs are going to be offended by that. But um, this does make Walter White look like kind of a uh, kind of a pathetic, um, just a wimpy teacher that I mean, he, he kind of a milk toast. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to say it. Ben. that's yeah. a better way to say it. He's he's uh, he's a pushover. So, uh, here's something though to move, to move on if I'm not rolling over. Well, one you, you quick got one? thing. I okay. just want to say one quick thing is that throughout the series, like at the beginning of this, maybe the first season, maybe even into season two, I can't remember where it ends, mm-hmm. but this car, this, this Aztec gets beat up over and over, over and, and over again and in just horrific ways. But that also kind of ties along with, uh, with how Walter gets beat up along the way. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see him getting damaged as well. 
And you're going to say a word about those windshields later, right? Uh, yeah, maybe we can now. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. It goes through several windshields, and I don't know. There's got to be some kind of symbolism there. I don't know what it is, but it went through windshield after windshield after mm-hmm. windshield, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of different reasons for it, but it seemed like all the time, you know, and that would cause other things to happen. Like, he'd be driving around with a broken windshield. The police would, would you know, of course, zero in on that, target right. him. Right. And he would go off on a tirade because now he's feeling a little full of himself, maybe. Yeah. And uh, it just it just was problem after problem after problem. So um, the way that this vehicle played into the story, I think, worked perfectly. I think it's the deterioration of the public figure of Walter White because it goes from, you know, an upstanding sort of, a blasé member of the community to someone that the neighbors are talking about and then the police are talking about it. Yeah, because he does trade up. Yes. Uh, Before we talk about what he trades up to, though, just for an interesting contrast, let's parallel with uh, one of the other main characters of the story, one of the other leads, Jesse Pinkman. Ah, yes. Captain Cook, right? (laughs) Uh, Jesse Pinkman is a former high school ne'er-do-well that Walter White taught. And Jesse Pinkman, after uh, his time as a child, I think he went straight into full-on dealing, selling, and making methamphetamine of a much lower quality. Sure, and he's a a much smaller scale. He's a very small-scale drug dealer in Albuquerque. Yeah, and he's kind of a a trashy out-trade dude. But I will point out that he has a Monte Carlo... (laughs) <laughs> when this begins, but it has the suspension system kit, right? Yeah. And it's... So it's a lowrider. It's a lowrider, and it's kind of deadbeat. He's got a personalized license plate that says Captain Cook. Yeah, he is so flashy at this point, right? right. I mean, it's it's all about standing out and, and that lifestyle, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, you very much exactly the vehicle that you would expect a character like this to be driving in Albuquerque, New Mexico at this time. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and doing what he's doing. That's just kind of what you would expect. It, it plays right into it. They, again, they nailed this right on the head. I think they've done that with every single character in this. I can't find flaw with any of the vehicles they've chosen. I mean, as we yeah. talk about all these today, I think they're all right on, right on target. And there was another lowrider in the series as well, right yes. in the very beginning. And that was a, uh, I think it was a 1980 Buick Regal, and it was bright yellow, and it was another lowrider vehicle, you know, that, uh, that, that belonged to another kind of low-level drug dealer. And the guy's name was Emilio Koyama. And Emilio, you know who Emilio is, Yeah, right? yeah. He was, uh, he was Crazy Eight's cousin. Mm-hmm. And a uh, very flashy vehicle, but again, another small-time meth dealer and involved with Pinkman. So, you know, he's in that 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 uh, that circle of friends, I guess, where that was kind of the cool thing to do. Yeah, I totally forgot about those characters who sometimes were a bit of comic relief. Yeah, I mean, and this one was, like, eventually abandoned in the uh, in the desert, you mm-hmm. know, found by the police. Yeah. Um, a lot of circumstances around that, but... Uh, but Interesting that, you know, they would have these two kind of flashy, um, over-the-top cars, and the rest of them would be very, very low-key. In fact, there's a couple low-key coming, low-key vehicles coming up, one that was maybe the most surprising to me of all. Ah, okay. And while we're on the way to that, let's talk about one of the most famous vehicles in the show. Okay. Which is when Walter White and Jesse Pinkman team up to make meth, because Walter has a secret recipe, but he doesn't have a distribution network. They try to work smart. They say, let's not be those jabronis who blow up our house or something. And they get an RV, a Fleetwood Bounder specifically, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is a uh, pile of junk, as you might expect. I mean, it's a a really awful RV. Um, It's kind of cool, just, you know, retro cool, I guess. I mean, in that way. But it's really beat up and dirty, and and it's kind of gutted inside, or at least they gut it. 
to uh-huh. make it their uh, to make it their lab or lab friendly. And the plan is to take this thing out in the desert and cook in it, so they have a, a mobile meth lab. And uh, they, so the thing about the vehicle is that you know they found one and they used it in the pilot. And when this guy Dennis came on, uh, you know, came on the scene with yeah. with Vince Gillian, he said, "Yeah, well, we're going to need more than one of these things." And that's the difficult part. He said, you know, this is a, uh, what is it, a 1980, what, 86 maybe? I believe 86, An 87. 86 Fleetwood Bounder. And here they are in Los Angeles. And this is this thing is really beat up and everything. Where are they going to find one that matches that? And he says, no, we're going to actually need three of these. Uh, yeah, minimum. Minimum. Because, you know, during shooting, you're going to have to have one at one location and one at another location. Mm-hmm. You have to have one for the close-ups, one for the driving scenes. Exactly. You know, that, that type of thing happens. There may be one where the, you know, this one has to be crashed and mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to recover it. So, you know, you'll have to deal with, uh, with that. So we're going to need three of these. How are you going to find multiples of that type of vehicle? That, that's one of the challenges of this whole thing is that, you know, it's not just one vehicle like this. They're going to need several of these cars. So like Walter's Aztec, I think there were, at least two, maybe more than that, because his was yeah. heavily damaged several times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to get identical matching, the, or close to it. The now. same atrocious shade of green. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So, you know, it becomes a, uh, a a very difficult job for the guy that's uh, the, the car wrangler. And before we move on, let's take a pause for a word from our sponsors. This summer, click into Memorial Day Savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. 
Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. And we're back. Scott, we forgot to talk about one of the more contentious characters of the show, Skylar White. Skylar, that's right. Okay, Skylar White. Now, she drives a... Uh, I kind of expected this out of Skylar White's, I uh, White's did character. Too, yeah. now, now, one thing is that, you know, I thought maybe she would be driving something like uh, like a minivan, right? But the idea was that this is the uh, the Southwest, and it's going to be a bit more of a, a rugged vehicle that Skylar would choose, uh-huh. right? So she has a uh, Jeep Wagoneer. Yeah, and... The symbolism here is that she is the stable foundation of the family, a motherly character. And, you know, Jeep Wagoneer, of course, is station wagon. Uh, she slowly becomes a little more unhinged as the show progresses. The reason I said she was sort of a controversial or contentious character is because a lot of the fans hated her. Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you something. As we watched this, this, uh, the show, my wife disliked her. And I, I, I actually kind of thought she was all right. I mean, I thought, I thought this was, this character was always okay. You know, it was, it was like funny. believable. Yeah, I thought she was believable. And, uh, and for whatever reason, my wife just almost right away did not like her from the beginning. And she didn't like Marie. Well, now, I don't know what that says, but I mean, that's, uh, I thought that was interesting that, uh, that she would dislike the two female characters. In this. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I want to point out that, uh, the acting and both characters was fantastic. Whenever you dislike a character in a show that you see, it means that the actor is doing a good job, you know? Yeah, sure. I, I think so. Uh, with that being said, I hated the character of Skylar. I thought her superpower was to be inconvenient and have problems. <laughs> that was it, huh? That, oh, and to put lotion thought. on her hands. So oh, it was, it was yeah. But, you know, again, I, I assume that a lot of that is a, a lot of her reactions or how any reasonable person would react if they found out that their spouse was selling methamphetamine. Oh, I agree. And we saw a, a huge slide in the character from where we began. Remember where she was yeah. in, in the, the pilot episode mm-hmm. all the way through the final episode or close to the final episode. Just an incredible transformation in that character. And I thought she played it really, really well. And, uh, you know, the thing with the lotion on the hands, that was one thing that whenever whenever she was on screen, my mm-hmm. As soon as she pulled out that lotion to put it on her hands, my wife's like, oh, here we go again with the lotion. It was always the lotion. And I, I don't know if that has something to do with, like, the, the pregnancy or what. I mean, I think that I think that is something. I think there's something there. Yeah, every everything about this show was so meticulously planned mm-hmm. that uh, every everything you see on the screen has to have some sort of import. Um, speaking of that family, let's talk about the... Uh, brother-in-law of Walter White, Hank Schrader. Ah, yes, Hank Schrader and his vehicle. Now he was a, uh, he's what a he's DEA a, officer. A DEA officer, that's right. And uh, so he's kind of uh, the guy in charge down there, right? Sort I mean, of an alpha male at the show's start. He, he definitely is, I would say. And uh, he drives a Jeep Commander, mm-hmm. uh, kind, of, kind of a new one. It was a, it's a 2006, not brand new. Yeah, uh, but it's still pretty nice. A little I mean, bit on the higher end. Too. A little bit. That's right. I mean, as uh, as someone said, and uh, there's a Top Gear article I think that I read that said. You know, just like Hank, it's kind of rugged on the outside, but a little bit, you know, soft and, I guess, sensitive on the inside. That was how they described it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I can kind of see that. I mean, he's got this outward image that he's a really, really tough guy, but he's also got uh, 
He's the uh, DEA agent with the heart of gold, Ben. He sure, he sure is, especially, you know, when he sees concern about these other people's kids or his niece and nephew. Right? I could almost not say that without smile, without laughing. With but, DEA uh, agent without, with the heart of gold. With the heart of gold. Yeah, it seems like the typical uh, explanation of, you know, the uh, the hardened cop type character, right? His wife, um, Skylar's sister, the other person you mentioned, Marie, yeah. um, she is also one of the most hated characters on the show. Uh, because whereas Skylar's superpower is being in- inconvenient and having problems for the beginning of the show, uh, Marie's superpower is that times 10. Also, she steals. Yeah, she's a kleptomaniac. And that's, yeah. uh, it's interesting. That's sad. But man. she drives around in a, uh, a new, new Beetle, new Volkswagen mm-hmm. Beetle. Right. And again, Ben, like, you know, I, I think it was another article that I was reading that said something about it, you know, being all cutesy and feminine on the outside, which I think Beetle owners will be upset with, maybe some of them. Uh, the right. male, the male ones would. You know, be. uh, Josh Clark. Drives one. Why did you have to say that? <laughs> I knew that, but it, but uh, it is it is perceived oftentimes as being kind of a feminine vehicle. I know right. they're trying to get away from that image with the newer Beetle, the one that's beyond the one that that Marie owns. That's true. Um, this one was the kind with the uh, you know the vase and you know by the uh, the flower vase by the the steering wheel that that type of image. And uh, but on the inside, she's kind of a wreck. I mean, she's kind of a mental wreck. Mm-hmm. She's she she steals things. Uh, she's really nosy. She's, she has some issues about kids. Ah, uh, yeah, she definitely does. So it, interesting character, and I think you know for the for the vehicle. I mean, when you see her driving, and it, it's like, well, yeah, that's what Marie drives. Of course it is. I mean, I think that's <laughs> what. I just I got to tell you that every character in this show, it's like, well, mm-hmm. of course they drive that car. That's exactly the way it should be. You know, another great example, if we can if we can move to him, is uh, Gustavo Fring, <laughs> one of one of uh, people's favorite characters. Yeah, let me tell you. Show. I, he he was a favorite, one of my favorite characters. I mean, as far as bad guy goes, right? A villain, mm-hmm. the but chicken when, tycoon. But when I saw his car, this is another one. This is one where it was like it was completely shocking. This guy has an enormous drug uh, empire, right? right? An international drug empire, international drug empire. And here he is. He's driving around in a 1998 Volvo V70 station wagon. A legendarily safe and reliable car. Yeah, but you know this is this is also perfect cover for him. I mean, this guy has got hundreds of millions of dollars probably squirreled away in places. Right, and he works at the uh, and he is living under an assumed identity. Sure, we never really learn who he is. He's got the Los Pollos Hermanos, uh, you know, chicken restaurant front Fran- going franchise. On. Yeah, yeah, which is just a front for the business. Obviously. He is he is a uh, hugely popular public figure, especially with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. They love his annual appearances at the policeman's ball. Oh yeah, he keeps his enemies close, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And uh he drives the most uh well, I guess the best way to say it is the most inconspicuous car Second most inconspicuous car in the show. A very pedestrian vehicle for him. I mean, it just, it blends in, and that was completely intentional. That's, that's exactly why he does it. He's he's the guy that could be driving around in an ultra-exotic vehicle, obviously, mm-hmm. anything yeah. that he wants, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't drive around in a Bentley, even though he's he's the owner of a chain of restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. He, he could be doing that. I mean, it's it's known that he's successful. He's a successful businessman. He could be driving something a little flashier, but he keeps it, uh, you know, relatively... Uh, on the uh, inconspicuous level, I guess. He, he doesn't want to be a standout guy. And that's something else that we see is that the serious criminals in this show, the serious criminals, all practice the art of automotive invisibility. Gustavo Fring's right-hand man, Mike Ermintrout, 
drives a Chrysler Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And uh, this is old school. You guys know that I like I like the longer Chryslers and the Monte Carlos and stuff like that. This is totally – I used to think of these as a kid. I used to think of these as grandpa cars, mm-hmm. you know, and – And it is, I think. Well, he is a grandfather in the yeah, show, too. Sure. This is another example of how if you want to maintain your existence as a criminal, you become inconspicuous. You blend in, right? Yeah. Now, this is a guy. He's a former police officer, and now he's like the head of corporate security at uh, Los Pollos Hermanos, right? Mm-hmm. But he's kind of um, Gus's hitman enforcer you know, for him. And then he also works for uh, Saul Goodman. He's also kind of like uh, like Saul's. Uh, cleaner, fixer, um, oh, yeah. his, uh, his, his security. private investigator, yeah. security, a little bit of everything, right? A kind of a jack of all trades. And the thing about Mike is that he's a likable character. At least I liked him. And I, I guess you did too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is that Mike has a code of honor. Yeah. He has principles of uh, a sort, you know, and they're not, they're certainly not the principles of a law abiding citizen. He does kill numerous people. But he also doesn't kill them unless he feels like he has to. He is not one of the unstable, unhinged um, drug addicts that f- proliferate in the show. It's, you know? it's funny to talk like this, isn't it? We're yeah. saying like he didn't—he doesn't kill them unless they need to be killed. It's kind of what they're saying. Well, from his position, yeah. I understand it's part of the story, right? I mean, it, it, we understand that that's that's all. I'm not—I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm saying he's likable. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And the thing is, he Mike throughout this whole thing. Does not like Walt at all. I mean, there's a lot of friction there. You, my friend, are a ticking time bomb. Yes. Yeah. Right. He yeah, says yeah, stuff right. like that. To and, him. and you know, I should say that, um, you know, with with Jesse, he doesn't like him either. But then he does grow to like Jesse because he gets to know him better than he does Walt. And mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things that happen in this car. But it's like it's like the soft, comfortable cruiser that he can kind of hang out in and surveil places. And you know, mm-hmm. it's like. Uh, just a, a car that blends in again. You can park it on the curbside. No one really pays attention to it because it's not flashy in any way. It's always it's always dust covered. It looks like it's sun faded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a uh, again a blend in vehicle that that fits him perfectly. He can he can go into some place, do what he has to do, and leave, and no one really even knows that he was there. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from Ryobi. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T. 
who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. And it's interesting that you would point out the relationship he has with Jesse Pinkman because a lot of the Pinkman character arc is this idea of what is authority and what am I doing with my life, purpose, right? And we see that often what he his character appears to want is just some sort of uh good relationship or community or an, the approval of some authority figure right i think the approval thing is big with him yeah I, I really do think he's always searching for approval from from walter but in a uh in a, in a Kind of an abrasive relationship with it. It's as adversarial well. I mean, at times. Yeah, and I, I know I've said abrasive a few times here, but there's so much of that going on here that, uh, yeah, they, there's all you know they get along well enough to work together. Sure, but that's about it. And, and then, but yeah. something more grows, and then and then the the trust is broken, and then it goes back to the way it was again before, and it happens over and over again. It's cyclical. And also because the Pinkman character is very very loyal. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a. Uh, heart of gold situation right yeah exactly. like right. hank schrader uh he also has a heart of gold except he is a meth agent rather than a dea <laughs> agent uh but he anyway he forms this um sort of mentorship of sorts with mike ermintrout and he begins driving a 1982 toyota tercel yeah now that's a dramatic shift from where he was before with right. that uh, with that low rider money i know that was so i know flashy and yeah, you know, always so shiny flash. and yeah, it was so much. It was like just over the top. But then, you know, when when he when he bought this Tercel, I mean, it's a, it's an, a 1982 Toyota Tercel four wheel drive station wagon, mm -hmm. and it's sun faded, and it's just really it's it's kind of a pile of junk. I mean, it's kind of cool, I guess. You know, uh, kind of an older boxy retro looking Toyota. But um, the idea was when they when they got this thing, you know, this Dennis guy again, the car wrangler for for uh, the, the series. They said that they wanted something that would be a perfect blend-in vehicle that would, you know, kind of, uh, as they said, under the radar. Right. Is what they're looking for, and that's exactly what they found with this vehicle. And to see him in that, after seeing him in that Monte Carlo, it's it's pretty comical, really. I mean, when he mm -hmm. first buys it, later it just becomes, you know, part of the the scene or the scenery rather, and you understand that well. That's the way everybody in this series is operating. So he's finally kind of understand. He's kind of kind of getting it, I guess. 
in that, uh, you know, this is the way I should probably operate as well because it's, it's less dangerous for everybody that's involved. Mm-hmm. And I'm part of this whole big machine now at this point. And, you know, it's, it's strange because this makes such a great, this makes such a great contrast to Walter White or Heisenberg's, uh, Differing choice of car. Yeah, because once he makes that dramatic shift until he decides, you know, when he decides that he's going to become this Heisenberg character. And you know what? Should we just say, I mean, I, I kind of was digging around to find out where he got this name Heisenberg, right? You know yeah. where he found the name Heisenberg? Uh, the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle? Yes, Ben, you're exactly right. It was Werner Heisenberg, and he was a German theoretical physicist, and he was also a pioneer in quantum physics. So it makes sense that Walter would choose this name as kind of his alias, right? Mm-hmm. It's his, uh, his gang name, I guess. Right. Huh, right. And uh, also, like Walter White, in real life, uh, Werner was a teacher who was diagnosed with cancer. So um, uh. kind of makes even more sense in that way. So someone really did the research and found out why he would choose that name. It's such an unusual name, right? I mean, when he yeah. said that, everybody's you know kind of raised eyebrows like, what's he talking about, Heisenberg? Well, yeah, that's it. And we're not a physics podcast, so I don't want to tangle... I don't want to tangle with that, but it, it makes sense there, the the uncertainty, and then also this personal note, which I did not know. Uh, we see this dramatic transformation in Walter White when he finally gives up that cursed albatross of the automotive world, the Pontiac Aztec. Yeah, okay, he gave that up. He's done with it. And he bought kind of a gangster car, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did, so and it looks get? really good. He got the uh, Chrysler SRT. Yeah, the 300 SRT. So um, dramatic change from what he had before, and uh, this is definitely, I mean, this definitely shows this, this transition in his character. I mean, clearly, I mean, it's a bold choice, especially for him. It's very flashy, something uh, that he probably shouldn't be driving around in town in, but he feels very bold at this point, very, uh, you know, he's got his chest puffed up at this point. Uh-huh. No one can touch him, right? So this is kind of his, uh, his, his version of a gangster's car, I guess. And uh, even, even there in that community, I guess, this car would probably stand out. Yeah, absolutely. And there's this great scene where he pulls up and he's got this new uh, badass car. Uh, shout out to our super producer, Noel Brown. Noel, is it all right that I'm saying badass on the... Okay, I got the nod. All right. He's a great guy, Noel Brown. I think we've talked about him on the Always air before. A great guy. I yeah. think we've mentioned him once or twice. I try to mention him every episode. Anyhow, point being that when Walter White pulls up in the driveway, his son sees this amazing vehicle. Yeah, that's right. And then they just cut to him driving back and his son also driving a new car. Yeah, okay. Okay, we've we've skipped one step, though. What step do we skip? We've skipped an important step, and this is one that we talked about in the Pony Car episode. And I think this is critical that we, we go back. And it's it's fine that we, we're here at this point sure, now, sure. But but we've got to talk about this other one. This was a uh, now. Remember this. This 300 is a 2012 model. Yes. Okay. So this is 2012 that we're talking about, or we're close to it, anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as you know, the the show or the series. Right. It's new at the time. It's new at the time. There was another Challenger that showed up at the time before this one, several years before this one. There was the red Challenger that he bought for his son as his first car, or what he thought was going to be his son's first car. Now this is Walt Jr. And he shows up with a Dodge Challenger. Not an SRT model, but a Dodge Challenger that was red. Oh, that's right. And Skyler threw a fit. Nope, yes. You've got to take that back. There's yeah. no way we can afford that. you got to take it back. So he, <laughs> instead of t- he says, all right, fine, I'll take it back. Of course, you know, the kid is very upset about this, right? This is all before his 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. So he says, well, 
of course I want to drive this thing. And he says, no, you've got, we've got to take it back. Your mom says take it back. So I'm going to do that. He takes all the paperwork with him. And he ends up going to some parking lot and just destroying the thing. I mean, oh, did, that's right. We totally skipped it. Donuts, donuts. He's burning. Yeah. He was burnouts. There's smoky burnouts. Uh-huh. He was doing all kinds of sliding around in this empty parking lot. <laughs> and then. And then he goes into a ditch. <laughs> or he, or he, he hangs it up somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was a ditch. I'm pretty sure. And uh, the car is stuck. And rather than call for a tow truck, what he does is he takes the paperwork for the car. He folds it up, sticks it in the gas tank, and lights it on fire, and then slowly walks away and then just watches as the car explodes. Mm-hmm. incredible scene right i mean that's again so bold he's being just like like over the top but this is even prior to when he bought that that 300c for himself or 300 srt8 for himself yeah that's right but then later this is one more car between this point and mm-hmm. that point, uh they buy um for walt jr's 16th birthday they buy him a new car because he's been hinting that he needs yeah, a new yeah. car right they buy him a pt cruiser uh-huh. And he's he's a little bit upset about it. I yeah. mean, that's kind of an understatement, I guess. I mean, you would think that he'd be happy with it, but he knew that he could have had that Dodge Challenger. And now here is this uh, this PT Cruiser in the parking lot or in the uh, the driveway with a red bow on it. And it's a nice car. I mean, it's a brand new vehicle. Sure. Or not brand new. Maybe it's brand new. I don't remember the year. But um, he's a little bit upset because it's you know, something like that. Yeah, it probably is. And um, it's just a little bit too... Uh, too low key for him because he wants something a lot flashier, right? Because he's a 16 year old, wants to show up at school with something really cool, right? Yeah, but he has no idea where his parents are getting this money from. He doesn't know his dad is becoming a drug kingpin. No, were they? But the question was, were they? And I don't remember how this plays in the series. Were they already owners of that? Uh, of, of the car, car wash? wash? I'm not sure. The car wash that Walter worked at formerly. I can't remember the timeline, but there was. Uh, they do eventually in the show buy a car wash so that they can launder money. Yeah, and I know we're skipping all over the place, but you know this are. is the way these vehicles are working out. I mean, it's 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 a funny timeline, but it's more about the vehicles. Now back to where, right back to where you talked about. Now they both pull in together, and Walter Senior has the uh, the three hundred SRT eight, right? Uh huh. And then Walter Junior pulls in, and he's got a Dodge Challenger SRT eight yeah. again. Yeah. From 2012, so here's his second challenger, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible, but it's an extremely bold move again. I mean, it's just so in your face. I mean, he's, he's bold. not hiding yeah. anything. It's bold if you have to do it. If you don't have to do it, I would file it under foolish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we haven't talked about one character that we did mention, which is a character who is sort of a, a breakout star that a lot of people didn't expect, and that, my friend, is Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman. Better right. call Saul. That's right. He's going to have his own series soon. Yeah. And now Saul in this episode, in this series is a flashy, trashy, sleazy, ambulance chasing, crooked as they come lawyer. Mm-hmm. Think about sleaze. Think about all the things Hollywood tells you about sleaze. Bad hair combed over, right? That's Saul. Bad suits, ill tailored. That's Saul. Uh, weirdly, into uh, doing petty crimes for relatively small cuts of money. That's Saul. That is so strange, isn't it? That he would. He, and he's driving a 1997 Cadillac DeVille, which is going to be important later. I have an interesting thing about that. Okay, good. And yeah. it's uh, it's what a white vehicle has uh-huh. the uh, license plate lawyer up. Uh huh. And uh, a little flashy, but um, not out of the ordinary, I guess, from what you would expect from kind of like the big attorney in town, right? Right. He's like the the litigation version of Captain Cook at the beginning of this. You know, little bit deadbeat, little bit two bit, but he is he's making an okay living. Well he's definitely on the uh on the dark side. 
He is I mean, definitely. Uh, I'm sure he he also uh, you know has plenty of legitimate cases, but there's there's many many more that he's he's dealing with that are uh, you know under the table type stuff. Yeah, every encounter in his office, he's laundering money for Walt, right? Eventually, and every every encounter in his office, you see there's some other person that has a scam that he's helping out with. You know, like a oh neck injury on the job kind of thing. Um, and he I'm has not, a drawer full of yeah. cell phones. I mean, like. 50 self. Yeah, he has so many burners. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's pretty funny. Um, so one thing I'd like to do before we close out, um, yeah, I feel like we're getting a little bit closer. Maybe. I've got one that I'd like to wrap up. You've got one? Okay. So I'll just do the cars of the final episode. Oh, okay. Is that cool? That's going to lead we'll... right into exactly what I want to talk Great. about, which okay. is, uh, which is the final car that Walt owns. Ah, yes. Okay. So you know where we're going with this. I hope so. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. All right. So, the cars of Breaking Bad's final episode are uh, going to be surprising to some people. In you know he's in New Hampshire this time. Uh, there's a Volvo 240 DL that he's driving, mm-hmm. and uh, stolen, stolen. <laughs> and this was a car that is uh, apparently, uh, according to the guys Ryan Jalopnik, this just screams New Hampshire like no other car mm-hmm. would. But it's also a car that would reasonably be stolen in that area. Sure. So it's smart and it's realistic. And then, well, do we want to talk about the Chevy El Camino? Sure. That's in, there's also a Chevy El Camino in the, uh, in one of the last sections of the show, of the entire series. That's on the, uh, the compound, right? On Jack, Jack's, uh, well, mm-hmm. the, the gang compound, I yep. guess, for the yep. uh, white supremacist group. Right. And when Jesse finally escapes that compound, he escapes in, the El Camino, and it's one of the one of the strangest, most emotional scenes ever. It was some fantastic acting, but that all leads us to say, what, Scott Benjamin? My favorite vehicle of the whole thing, maybe. I mean, I think this is it. I mean, because there were other cars that we haven't we haven't covered, and can I just quickly? Yeah, go yeah, through? laundry list. There's just a few that I think we should mention. Now, I'm going to just kind of skip around this list here, but uh, there was there was a one car that was a standout, kind of as a uh, as almost an exotic. Uh, Gretchen Schwartz drives a Bentley Continental GT, and that's a surprise to see in this whole thing. But then again, she's ultra, ultra wealthy, and she's living kind of like this, uh, uh, this millionaire lifestyle. Yeah. Of course she's going to be driving this, and her, her money's that's not true. dirty money. Her money is, is, uh, you know, through the, the gray matter, uh, technologies group. Yeah. She's, you know, part of this multi-billion dollar industry. Of course she's going to have a fancy car like this, and her husband, Elliot, I would assume drives something equally flashy, but, we, I don't think we ever see Elliot's vehicle. There's also things like, you know, cars that will just make a brief appearance, like, you know, Ed, the guy that was in charge of getting Walter to New Hampshire. You know, the vacuum salesman yeah, that wasn't he's got a really van, a vacuum salesman. Right. He's got a, uh, like a 1991 Toyota Previa uh, minivan. Yeah. And that's, I guess, completely expected as well, because you could drive somebody to New Hampshire in that, and no one would ever even look. Now, I think he actually took a um, it was a fuel truck, I believe, that he he completed the delivery to the, yes. uh, yeah. to, the uh, to the cabin because that wouldn't raise any eyebrows. I mean, you're driving a minivan out into the middle of, uh, you know, the the, uh, the woods. That's going right. to probably, you know, garner some attention. But uh, you drive this this fuel van where I think he was hidden. And you had to have different plates, too, I'm sure. Yeah, plus it worked that he could carry him in that pretty mm-hmm. easy, right? You know, undetected. Um, also, later in the series, Skylar ends up uh, kind of trading up in Season 5. She trades up to a, um, a 2012 Ford Edge vehicle. So she gets rid of that. Um, that Wagoneer. Wagoneer, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, she's a successful, um, you know, auto wash executive, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Dollar executive, I suppose. Mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, here's one that's interesting. We didn't talk about, and which one is it? Something's a pretty brief appearance. It's a, it's an, it's an BMW. It's a 1996 BMW 318, and this one has a very small part. This is a guy named Ken, and I can't remember Ken's last name, but um, Ken is kind of a businessman in town there, and he's one that somehow had ticked Walter off. I believe it was when. He was working at, working at the car wash as kind of a towel boy. Oh. And he makes him angry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes him really angry for some reason. I don't remember what it was. He was being kind of a, kind of a jerk to him, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, Walter later sees him at the gas station filling, filling up. And Walter sneaks over, opens the hood, puts a, a squeegee between the terminals of the battery, uh, you know, under the hood of his vehicle. Yeah. As he walks away, the car bursts into flames as the guy's filling up and he doesn't know what's going on. It's kind of a, uh, <laughs> kind of a, uh, like an I'll get you type scene and, uh, you know, a revenge scene. Um, very cold, very calculated and it worked out perfect for Walter. Um, there's also things like, you know, the Mexican cartel car that the, uh, I think the cousins drove in and it was very flashy, uh, very mm-hmm. out of place. And I think they traded up to or trade, traded down maybe. Uh, to that old kind of ranch truck that they were as they were walking out of that. Uh, that oh, that's right. Yeah, remember the village that they were yeah, crawling yeah. on their bellies. Uh huh. They they traded clothes and they uh-huh. traded uh, vehicles. Right? <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah. paid them a, a boatload of cash for this thing. Um, there's also Walter White's rental car. Remember, but when he when he was having his Aztec fixed, mm-hmm. uh, that you saw him in. <laughs> what was it? I don't remember that one. It was a Toyota Yaris. It was a 2009 oh, Toyota Yaris. Right. It looked like the tiny little egg car. Uh, 2009 Yaris, but, um, that was his, his rental vehicle. And of course, you know, when you saw him in that, you're like, well, of course, that's what he chose. That's yeah. a, but he didn't choose it. It was just the rental vehicle. Um, and then just a lot of like DEA agent vehicles. And, um, maybe there was also that, um, remember the bike that Drew Sharp was riding on mm-hmm. the, the off-road bike, uh, I think it was a Yamaha, uh, TTR 125 that he was on. Mm-hmm. It was the kid that witnessed the train robbery. Oh, that's right. And very cold and calculated. Todd walks over and mm-hmm. shoots him. And, uh, that's a, that's just an incredible scene. Um, bad ending for Drew Sharp. But, uh, and then later you hear all these reports of the missing boy, Drew Sharp, and it's just really, it's kind of chilling. We have to talk about the very last car though, because I have, I have a question for you. All right. I'm sorry. I'm going on. No, no, this way is too great. Many vehicles, but Cause we could, I, I have a list and I feel like we could keep going. We, we let that go. I'm sorry. That was a long time ago. You led up to it like, and the last car is, and then I went through that whole list. Okay. <laughs> no, so no, that's great. My favorite vehicle the whole season was, or the whole series, I think was the, uh, the 1977 Cadillac sedan DeVille that Walt, that was Walter's last vehicle, which is so interesting that he would be driving a DeVille. The epitome already established in the in the mythology of the show, the epitome of sleazy, two bit, just uh, criminal kind of stuff. Really? Well, because you know it's associated with Saul. It's I, a different version. It's it's an older version. It's yeah. a. Uh, I guess it would be uh, kind of a gangster car in a way. I mean, it's yeah. a it's a long vehicle. This this particular one, I don't see as being like a gangster vehicle. This one is more a. Um, a method of delivery for him, right? Right. Yeah. This is a medium because one of the last things he does is this guy is kind of a believable MacGyver for anybody familiar with the MacGyver mm-hmm. show, right? Uh, he has all these tricks up his sleeves. And one of his last big tricks is that he rigs a sentry gun, a remote controlled sentry gun in the trunk and uh, also breaks the mechanism to pop the trunk and make this thing Just work. Incredible, incredible scene, but so it has impressive. to be a big vehicle like this. It has to right. be. In, it has to have the space. It has to have the trunk space, and that's why this uh, this arms dealer that he visits to get this uh, this M60 uh, machine gun, 
he, he visits this guy named Lawson, and Lawson sets him up with the, the M60 and the Cadillac. And I would guess, I, I don't know if it's Walter's device. I think it is Walter's, uh, Walter's doing, the way he set up the, uh, the, the, the mechanism to fire this thing. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it is, because I remember him in the desert kind of working things out, you know, like, uh, like testing this thing. Uh, but just an incredible scene, and the car worked perfectly. I mean, it was just, it was just a, um, I don't know if you get a chance to watch the the final scene because you can search uh, Breaking Bad final scene and watch you know there's maybe the last 15 minutes of it. I've watched it twice this week, Ben. The, the last 15 <laughs> yeah, minutes, yeah. and I'll tell you when we get out of here, when I'm done, uh-huh. I'm gonna watch it again. It's 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 so cool, and it, I mean, there's a song that'll that'll get stuck in your head forever, right? Um, forever associated with this, but right. uh, what a cool scene! It's and it's a perfect vehicle again. Right to the very end, they've got it picked exactly right for the characters, the types of cars that would be in that in that region, and uh, and the uh, the temperament of the characters. I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's just a perfect a perfect scenario for all of them, and I, I think they've done an excellent job. So before you end, just real quick, I wanted to ask you this the entire time: if you were a large scale drug dealer, Scott. What car would you drive? Oh man! Well, now watching this, I would know that the key is to blending in, right? Sure, yeah. So I guess you would drive something very, very, very simple. It probably, I'd probably go with a big Cadillac. You know, I would go with either a Cadillac or a Honda Civic <laughs> because it's one of the most common cars. Yeah, you're right. I mean, keep yourself inconspicuous, right? I mean, the age and condition of the car mm-hmm. should match the the region. And the type of people, the type of circles that you're normally in outside of that drug world, right? Yeah. What What about you, Noel? What car would you drive as a drug kingpin? Oh, he said a Tesla. A Tesla. He said a Tesla. Really? Wow. That's a bold move, Noel. I mean, he'd stand out for sure, right? Yeah, he'd I mean, stand out for sure. Yeah. I I guess, uh, you know, that makes me rethink it, though, because I can already see the downfall of my drug empire. I would also want a Tesla. But let me tell you, though, in this area, that might not be a bad choice because there's, there's plenty That's of them true. around now. That's true. A really Honda are. Odyssey would stick out more than a Tesla <laughs> in our neck of the woods. How did I know you were going to work Odyssey into this podcast because, somehow? Because I thought you were going to say that, that Skyler, I thought you were going to say that Skyler should be driving an Odyssey. That, that was what I thought you were going to oh, say. Oh, I should have, yeah. And through the whole thing, I've been waiting for it, but it never came until just now. Well, now that my prejudices are finally becoming apparent, I guess it's time for us to go. You know uh, what? I wish, I, I just wish. I know we, we yeah, covered yeah. so many things. We jumped all over the place and we, we were kind of just telling like, you know, one tenth of stories as we went along, but it's so fun to, to, to kind of think back to that whole series of, of shows, you know, the five seasons. Yeah. Was it like 62 episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to look back at that. And there's so many moments that I'll think about after this that I should have brought up. Um, I wish we could almost tell the story from beginning to end, like, or in order, uh, because that would be an interesting way to do that it. That would be, be. It would be difficult mm-hmm. uh, because things, you know, they go away and they reappear. And, things and like sometimes that. things aren't quite linear. Yeah, exactly right. You don't know show. what's going on until you get to the end, really. So, yeah. Um, it would be difficult to do, but I hope we've we've been at least a little bit entertaining for people that have, have seen the series and can say, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And maybe, maybe they can write in to us with some of their favorites or some of the things that caught their attention because I know that we're not looking at every single angle here. Mm-hmm. There's got to be other ways to look at, you know, why these certain people are chosen for that character. And I'd love to hear some of our audience perspectives on that. 
That's a great idea, Scott. We'd also like to hear your uh, suggestions for other shows that have a lot of vehicles in them that we could take a look at because we both really enjoy these episodes. We can only hope that you enjoy them as much as we like making them. Uh, but we're on the way out. Talk to us on Facebook and Twitter if you want to write to us with more suggestions for shows we should cover. Uh, you can easily do that right now from your phone even because we live in the future our our email address is our stuff at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.